0: Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, Ambassador of 805 Connect and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman & Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Polestring Press, for this great studio, and to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Hi, Mark. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. This is uh, our our first day back after the break, and we are welcoming Alon Gorin to us to the show. Alon, how are you? I'm great. Thank so, you for having me. You uh, you drove up from the southern part of the 805. Yes,
1: it's uh yeah I live I live in Thousand Oaks, and it was an awesome reminder as to why. We're here. So (laughs) driving by the ocean today after the rains, it was perfect.
0: So we have listeners from around the world to the show, um, a whole bunch of people in Venezuela. Uh, Tell them exactly because it's been raining
1: what that drive was like. Trying to paint a picture for us. Okay, so if you would have done that drive three days ago, you would have had to driven through a couple rivers on the freeway (laughs) Uh, because we're not used to getting any rain at all. So when it happens, it's like. like, you know, everyone goes nuts and it's crazy. But it was, uh, you drive down the grade in Camarillo, which is sort of a big elevation drop. And you see three miles down the road and you see the ocean ahead of you. You could see the islands from, from the freeway, which is not the norm because usually there's a haze blocking it. Right, It's just beautiful and perfect. Sun's out. It's cold this morning, but it's Comparatively, <laughs> it's in the 50s yeah, exactly. and we're all freaking out. <laughs> I know, uh, I know. So for all the listeners not in Southern California, I'm sorry. Uh, but that's for us. That's cold.
0: Well, that's part of the uh, the appeal of the region, isn't it? Is, Absolutely. uh The quality of life and getting to live here and uh, and run our businesses here. So yeah, uh, Alon, uh, we've uh, we've met uh, a few months ago through um, uh, California Lutheran University yeah uh, they're a, you know a big part of the you know kind of the epicenter of the startup community down in the lower part of the 805 and you you bring a tremendous amount of energy I will we'll have a picture of you up on the show but I, <laughs> I love your profile picture It's just that you know that ear to ear grin you're, you're that guy who's you know very very optimistic and very positive uh, a couple I want to talk about a little bit about your background uh, coming into this, I was looking at uh, LinkedIn and two things caught my eye. One was IMDb because mm-hmm. I don't know if you know the guy who ran IMDb for Jeff um, yeah. is H.B. Uh, Siegel was the chief science officer here at Wayfront in Santa Barbara back in the day.
1: Oh, I didn't know that yeah. about H.B. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. He's he's a great guy. I met him. I, I don't know him very well. I met him a couple times. Um, uh, the really interesting part about IMDB, which is kind of one of the most amazing things I've ever seen at a company post being acquired by, by a company like Amazon, right. is uh, their founder, Call, he, uh, he is as intensely uh, involved in that company on a day-to-day basis as like a startup founder three days into running the company. Mm. Like the guy is into it. Mm-hmm. um and the guy is just a great guy so you know like normally you meet the guy who started a company that was acquired by a company as large as Amazon and the day their their handcuffs are uh, are are off they they run away or they're just not as into it or they're kind of half in half out he is into movies he's into it he's into the company on a day-to-day basis and uh obsessed, just like a startup founder. And you realize like, it's why I, it was probably the greatest place I've ever worked at for that reason. Everyone was into it. Um, and he had that like energy, um, which is, you know, one of those things you can't, you can't fake.
0: We, we talk about that. entrepreneurial energy. We talk about what it takes to become an energy, uh, an entrepreneur. We've had uh, many, many conversations about that. Is yeah. it in the DNA or is it something that can be learned? And I think that the, the passion part of it, when you have truly connected to your passion, it's palpable, right? Mm-hmm. You, you saw it, you could feel it. And that, yeah. did, did that affect how you think about entrepreneurs or being an entrepreneur yourself?
1: Absolutely. I think that, that one is when you are truly starting a company for the right reasons, you're really into it. And it's if you have that energy, if you if you are, you know, that guy um, or that girl, you will uh, you will pull people up around you and get them excited about it. If you're doing something strictly because it's a good financial decision, um, it's that's great and that's motivation. But it's not the same. um, You don't get the same intensity and you don't get the same. Uh, feeling from the people around you either. Cause you can't sell it the same way. I mean, it's like, you know, you hear those silly things. Like I, I had a, a guy that I thought was a little nuts the first time he came to us when we were at amplify, um, as a startup accelerator in Venice, they introduced us to a guy named Vince Thompson. I've told him this, I thought he was a little nuts when I first met him and I thought like, Oh, another sales coach, you know, like one of those guys. Right. And he said something like, you know, uh, put a mirror at, he, he would coach people to put a mirror at their desk if they're a salesperson. And even if they're selling over the phone, smile into that mirror, I've you know, and you, you hear that and you go like, oh, okay, whatever. But if you're into it, you're the guy who's smiling. You're into it. Right. It's, it shows and you feel it even if you don't see it. And it, it really, really helps. Um, yeah, and just to give a plug to Vince since I started off saying I thought he was insane, he's a brilliant guy and he um
0: insane's okay.
1: Yeah, insane is great. Uh, you know, uh I would rather be called insane than a lot of other things. <laughs> he's he's a really good guy and he actually helps people sell. So
0: I don't think that you could even with with so much competition in the startups right now and so much competition in business. I don't think you could go do a pure play business that was just based around making money and you, that you weren't passionate about, that you'd get sniffed out pretty quickly on I, that?
1: I think so, you know, I, I think so mostly when you're talking about startups and scaling and growing and really, really being big. Like an investor is not gonna invest in your company if they don't feel that you're really into it. You know, it's um, they're investing in you, and they know right. that if there's a passion there, they know that if you hit it now, that's great. Um, but if you don't, you'll shuck and jive and you understand the problem and you'll find a way to, to attack that problem. Um, and I think that when you're not into it, when you have that strict, uh, rigid mentality, uh, I think people, people, like you said, will sniff it out. They'll, they'll see that you're not interested. You're not really in it for the right reasons and you'll probably lose, uh, lose steam on it too at a certain point.
0: Sure. As soon yeah. as, um, the, you know, you have enough customers say no, or things aren't going yeah. your way or in that easy path to money doesn't work its way out. Yeah. It's the passion that fuels you and keeps you going and, you know, through the, the tough times, right?
1: Absolutely. It's, uh, uh, if, if a few people saying no slows you down or stops you, then you're not, you're probably not cut out to be right. a, a founder of a company. It's right. just, uh, there's lots and lots of people that will say no along the way. A lot more people than will say yes. Um, they'll that's start a, to learn and appreciate when you hear no, that that's a good thing.
0: Uh, that's hard for, for people to understand. But yes. for those that are listening who, you know, uh, started businesses and maybe they're on their third or fourth, um, they understand what that means. And uh, it's counterintuitive to say, you know, failure is a good thing. It's like, well, it's you know success is better, yeah. you know, but you've got to. You appreciate it once you've yeah, had a few. You,
1: failures. you appreciate it when you're when you've gone through at least a cycle or two of fundraising for a company, and you definitely <laughs> appreciate it right. when you've gone through a, a long sales process. Like I, I, with invested in, had to do lots of enterprise type sales, and it would take months and months and months. And when you talk to somebody, and a week in, they'd be they would tell you, "No, this isn't going to happen with our organization." Or or something like that, or no, I'm not going to invest in your company, you're not in our sweet spot. It would almost be a relief because you know that there's been lots of times when somebody should have told you that, but they kind of strung you along. They didn't say no. So you kept them on the list. You kept bugging them. They kept spending your time and wasting your time. um, And uh, and eventually you realize that yourself or they finally had the guts to say no or it finally got to a point where you couldn't avoid it. It was either in, are you in or are you out? And and then they said no, and then you were done, Um, you know. let's
0: let's travel down that for just a second, because I know that when we're, you know, uh, nothing happens till somebody sells something. right? So um, and you've sold, obviously, and you've done businesses and and uh, raised money and sold products. When you know that that isn't going anywhere that they're not returning the calls or you keep, you keep, Mm -hmm. I mean, that whole thing. And it's like, Oh, I know, maybe they'll return this email or maybe, and you keep. what's the discipline or what's the thing that uh, you've taught yourself that works that helps you to fail fast?
1: Um, It's well, one, it's something, uh, I'm still probably learning. (laughs) The thing thing is, it's hard for me to completely stop. Um, Well, there's sort of two reasons why I stop. Either my ADD thinks in the back of my head that something might not be quite as important and it just falls through the cracks or the the thousands of emails in the inbox lets things fall through the cracks and you kind of don't follow up and then you remember and then you follow up. But when you're in that, like, active process of, of selling or raising money or something like that, I think that the thing that I learned to do at a certain point, and I didn't know I learned it until somebody brought it up to oh. me, um, was that I learned to put people on the spot and actually, like, say straight up, you know, Mark, uh, we've been talking for a couple months. This is what's happening. Our round is closing up or, our, you know, we're I don't want to waste any more of your time. Um, let me know, are you in, are you out, are you somewhere in the middle, let me know. And just stop right there, and now, then the let them respond time, to that. The first yeah.
0: time you did that, because yeah. I, I, know, I know that exact moment, yeah. and people will say, well, I'm not a closer, or they, they, they don't, uh, uh, in Silicon uh, Valley on HBO, it's, it's <laughs> called putting your balls on the table. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that, that piece,
1: can you remember the first time you did that? I can remember a specific time I did that um, and not realizing it was as significant as it was until the investor then mentioned it. So I'll, I'll tell you the, the story really quick. So I had an an investor in our company that didn't invest yet. Um, we were talking to them and they were telling me, I want you to pitch in front of this angel group. And in the startup world, at least uh, at certain periods of time, different angel groups have different reputations. And some of them had the reputation for being a huge waste of time. And also um, some investors sort of like the cool kids club investors, like it's kind of B.S., but they would they would not like to hear that you pitch in front of an angel group because then your deal might not be very good. Um, It's sort of sending a message like you couldn't raise money elsewhere. So you're going to the angel group, the last resort, which is not necessarily true. And I could give a million reasons why you should go to angel groups. But anyway, um, he was telling me, I want you to pitch in front of this angel group. I'll get you into this meeting. There's going to be 60 angel investors there. I want you to pitch to them. And I had this feeling that he was sort of testing me against his friends. Like, I want to see if my friends are interested. And if they're interested, then maybe I'll be in. Okay. But I had had like four e- meetings with this guy. I had spent time on the phone with this guy. Um, and I liked him and I wanted him in. And I basically was going, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of cornered him and said, uh, I want to know when you introduce me in front of this angel group, can you say you're in the deal or oh. can I say to everyone that you're in because it would make a much bigger impact coming straight out and saying, you know, Mark is in the presumptive uh, close. Yeah. So, so you don't have to tell me right now how much you're in for, but just that you're investing. And he was like, you've you know, not
0: done that type of I've, thing.
1: i I've. Not not that I remember as explicit and saying, you're tell me that you're in. Um, And so he kind of was beating around the bush and he and it was the end of our meeting and he was standing up and walking away and I said it in a different way. Again, I basically said so tomorrow um, or next. I said, yeah, I'm I'm in to, to pitch to the group. But can I tell them that you're in and I didn't realize that I was standing in between him and the restroom before he made the drive home. <laughs> and uh, and, uh. and uh, a few weeks later when he, he told the story to somebody and he said, you know what's great about Alon? He's a closer. He can close it. He was standing between me and the restroom and asking me if I'm in. He had, you know, he basically said like he had the balls to close a deal. Uh, and I was like, really? I did? I didn't even... I didn't even realize I was doing it. Um, And I think a part of uh, my ability to sell came from my upbringing because uh, we have a family owned business. And if I didn't sell, it didn't make money. (laughs) So um, so it's something I learned early on. But that was sort of the first conscious like, oh, if I put people on the spot, I'll get a direct answer. Um, And I started using that mentality, especially once I was two, three meetings in because there was a. one investor in particular that put us through the ringer. This guy was great um, in terms of on paper, having this guy on the books as an investor. He's a, a former Disney executive. He was, you know, one of these guys that would be great as an advisor in terms of like going to pitch investors. But he, he kept stringing us along, stringing us along till we were basically almost done. And I finally put him on the spot. And he basically made me an offer That made absolutely no sense that we couldn't take because it would have been uh, sort of offensive to the other investors. Um, And so I had to tell them, you know, sorry, I love you Uh, maybe next time. But. It made me realize I need to to be a little more aggressive earlier on, you know, one. You can't do it the first time you meet somebody for 15 minutes, um, but you after a certain period of time, you have to go, look, I don't want to waste your time. and position it that way. Um, And would you be interested in investing or not? Um, And and it it usually works to your benefit, because if they say no, then you don't have to keep bugging them. You keep them on the list for the updates and all that stuff. Um, And you stay friendly. Um, You know, some of my better friends now in the startup world are people who said no to me. So it's not like it's not like you're never going to talk to them again. but you want to, uh, you have an honest conversation, it, it helps to be, to be there. You've way.
0: seen the movie Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross.
1: Yes, but many, many, many years ago. It always be closing. Uh, yeah, but yeah.
0: put that back on you. I think uh, anyone listening, uh, put that show on your, in yeah. your Netflix queue. That will, um, just because it has all the trials and tribulations yeah. of, of closing. And it's... Even if you're not in sales, if you're anybody who's trying to communicate an idea or get someone to come over to your point of view, you're kind of closing them. Right. You 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 need to be not ambivalent. You need to like this is really important to me. I believe it's based on our conversation. It's important to you. We need to move forward.
1: Absolutely. I think like people have a weird negative connotation to being called a salesman or, you know, a salesperson. But um, like I had a biz dev guy who we hired, and I said he's a great salesman or something like that when I introduced him to someone, and he was offended by it. And I was, really? Yeah, and I was,
2: it was, the, in a, the inauthenticity that's attached to it. A car salesman is is uh, will will pitch any product that's handed to them rather yeah. than pitching the product that they care the most about, right? Like that's the that's the the disingenuous feeling when somebody says, "Oh, this is a really good salesman." It's like, oh, so he'll sell ice to an Eskimo. You know that yeah. type mm-hmm. of like. Yeah. He, he doesn't have your best interest yeah. uh, in mind. He's got the sale in mind, and so that's that that struggle, right?
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right there. But uh, to me, it's that he can sell ice to an Eskimo is a good thing. Uh, if he has, does it, if he does it, he's an a hole. But if, right
2: was is that his skill set is immense. But but what it comes off is that oh, this guy, nah, he doesn't give a shit
1: about it, anybody. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. Um, It is it is it is a little weird, but if you kind of I I find uh, the more insecure you are about certain things like that, maybe uh, maybe you are being a little bit that way (laughs) because if if you called me if you called me a salesman, I would never I would never be offended by it because I know I'd never sell somebody something I wasn't into or or sort of disingenuously sell somebody.
0: So uh, one of the things that uh, when I was hiring salespeople, I looked for was ego strength, right? Yeah. Is, right, is like, you're going to hear no a lot. And I think in this, this spirit now, when we think in our businesses, what can I give to you? How am I giving things? I'm giving, I'm really thinking about the customer first. What am I giving them? It's not that I have this thing. I've got to get to you. Um, I think your no count goes down a lot when I'm wanting to give. Who doesn't want to be given something to? Absolutely. So I met you through the, through California Lutheran University, but through the, you're representing a a movement (laughs) called 805 Startups. right? So tell me about 805 Startups.
1: So how long have you been around? uh, 805 Startups, I would say five, six years, but it, it, It doesn't really count, at least in in my head, because I started it while I was still at IMDB, and it was sort of one of those things where I wanted to not commute anymore. I wanted Mm, to be in the area. mm. Um, Ventura, either sometime a little bit before they opened their sort of V2TC over there, the Ventura Ventures place, their little co-working incubator spot at the city. is when, when I started doing real events and really what it was, was, Hey, I'm working from home on Friday, who's around to meet for lunch. And sometimes 10 people would come, sometimes 30 people would come and we just hang out. Right. And then I would put together a random event at, um, at the, the place in Ventura. Um, and what it turned out to be really was a few random events throughout the year. Um, and then a holiday party and the group sort of, uh, consisted of people who had shown up at least at one point to one of the events, mostly the holiday party, and there was about 300 members or so in the group. Um, And then a few months ago, um, maybe a year ago now, not even a year ago now, uh, I closed our office in Santa Monica for Invested In and I started working out of uh, the Westlake office, CLU's uh, Center for Entrepreneurship. Right. Right. So I got an office in there and I started working out of there more regularly. And I decided let's make 805 startups something real again. And about halfway through the year uh, 2015, I decided I kind of made this goal, rule, whatever in my head saying if I can turn this into something real that pays for itself, so it's not like I'm paying for the pizza right. every every right. event right. or I'm in the last minute calling up SoCal IP or, or, uh, or Ryan Aslin. Uh, uh, for to pay for the the event in the the day before the event, which still sort of happens, <laughs> because they have so many things going on. If if I can turn it into something a little more real by the end of the year, I'm going to jump in full force, and. A little bit before the end of the year, I, I decided to do one big event, and I did that one um, like the state of the 805 pla- event. The place was packed. Yeah, we had over 200 people in there, um, and the place normally can hold we had 120 or 130 seats, um, but but about 200 people showed up, and it was it was great. We we what I what we did was we put a panel together of uh, some really amazing venture capitalists and investors who actually live in this area, who work in this area or may not work in this area, but they live in this area and they they have a connection to this area. And I did what I always do, which is kind of like throw my hands up and say, hey, everyone, look around. There's there's people here. There's that, you know, uh, there's other ones of us here. We don't have to be commuting every day um, because I basically commuted my whole career. Right. Um, and uh And, you know, I still do once a week, twice a week, but it's very different and a different feeling than when you're doing it day in and day out, Um, spending three hours a day in the car. Um, So so that's always been my battle cry is, hey, look around. There are people here and uh, tell people, for example, um, uh, you know, Academy one, two, three, they're based in Westlake Village. They just sold their company to Discovery. Um, hey, look! Zoombox, based in Westlake Village, just raised ten million dollars. Um, N- hey, and no
0: one knows these stories.
1: No, because when, right. they're po- when it's posted on TechCrunch, it says Los Angeles-based company sells to X for X. Even on whatever. LinkedIn,
0: uh, Santa greater Barbara is Los greater Los Angeles area.
1: Yeah. yeah, and and so it's 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 a little nuts. It used to offend me, but now I look at it. I actually just had an article um, that I wrote in. Uh, the Caneo Chambers newsletter, like the the Chamber of Commerce newsletter, or not newsletter. It's a it's like a legit magazine that comes out every quarter. I think the new one just came out now, and I talk about eight hundred five startups. And it's actually I, I I'm gonna I'm catching myself because you you said that I'm a positive guy for the longest time. Well, I I think I normally am positive, uh, but when it comes to my own stuff, I'm I'm insanely negative and critical. But like uh, I would I would get offended and pissed off. Like, no, this Linda isn't Los Angeles company. Linda's from Carpinteria right. in Ojai. Like, right. come on, guys. Uh, and so I'd be, you know, yelling that battle cry. And I sort of started looking at it the other way and go, you know what? Yes, we're we're L.A.-based companies. So investors in L.A. don't look at us any differently. And guess what? People in this area know we're not L.A.-based companies. Uh, so we get... Uh, Easier to reach engineers, which people always say that's the hardest thing to hire. It's the hardest thing to hire in L.A. It's the hardest thing to hire in San Francisco. It's the hardest thing to hire anywhere in the world. Right. And guess what? Uh, In L.A., there might be a bigger pool of them, but there's an exponentially larger pool of startups that are trying to hire them. And people don't stick around as long. Um, If you look at the average uh, engineer in our area, they stay at the companies longer than the average engineer stays uh, in, in L.A. Why do you think that is? Uh, because they're here for a reason. They're here for that better quality of life. They're right. here because they have a family. They're right. not jumping from startup to startup. They're at a different stage uh, in, in their life cycle. Um, I have two kids. I would never dream of moving to Santa Monica or, or, uh, or L.A. To, to work at a company. I did the commute because, to me, even though the three-hour commute is miserable, um, it's way better than living there. I don't want to live in an area where even though the houses are still million dollar homes, I would be a little bit skeptical of having my wife be out past dark. Sure. Right. Sure. It's, it's insane what, what people go through. Um, and so you also realize when you're in L.A. and in that startup community, about a third of the people live in the Pasadena area, about a third of the people live up our direction in the 805, um, and then about a third of the people live out there. You know, it's Maybe not exactly those numbers. There's some Orange County people, too. But in general, not you. The people you come across. A majority of them don't live there.
2: They're they're coming from somewhere else.
1: Interesting. So. And then you also look at our area and I'm coming to this sort of conclusion where one, we have a better quality of life. We have a usable school system for our kids. I literally have conversations with with the more wealthy of the people I come across where they say things like like uh, like they're forced to send their kid to a private school, you know, and I'm going, well, guess what? Where we live, our public schools have they're a better rating good, than your right, private schools. Right, that you're right. paying uh, tens of thousands of dollars a month for sometimes to go to. It just doesn't make sense. Um, so uh, so we have that going for us and we have the startups and the people. It's just there was never this glue holding it together. There was never. Um, you know, uh, Richard Wolpert, who was speaking at that panel at that yep. 805 startups event, said something like like he said, maybe I was just chicken shit when I started my company, but I didn't th- feel like I could hire enough engineers or enough salespeople out here. So he did it, I think, in, in West Hollywood or something like that um, or, or on the west side. Um, so. But what we're realizing is there is the talent pool here, there are people here and people are starting to pay attention outside of the area because of things like Linda, because this area in general had a disproportionate amount of exits and IPOs last year. Um, there was MindBody and Invoca uh, and, uh, and a couple others. And, of course, Linda. Appfolio. Um, Appfolio. Um, and, right, there's and, and a so huge
0: – so, so three, we started 805 yeah. 5 Connect three years ago. Yeah. Right. It was just like there's there's something happening, and yeah. we I think we were just at the very kind of beginning of mm-hmm. that, and looking at it regionally, there's a ton going up in Slo. There's a ton going on in Santa Barbara, and then in, in the southern part of the 805, and it feels like it's exploding. Even just yeah. uh, uh, two years ago, there was the um, Central Coast startup. Uh, forum that was held yep. at uh, Kalu with uh, uh, Gerhardt ran mm-hmm. that thing and there were a hundred people and they all looked around and went wow there's a lot of us here and and that's growing even more because people see the quality of life and that there is a lot of talent yep. here and it's through organizations like yours and 805 Connect and these other projects where people are starting to see yeah that in fact is true and we had a we had a guy on the show who was saying that he gets called a local Santa Barbara company. He's getting pinged by VCs constantly because the deal flow up in the valley. There's not enough business there. They've got to go search in new areas. Yeah, right. And so we're obviously now on the radar of the money,
1: right? Absolutely. Well, the thing is, we we are on the radar of the money. And we actually the thing that I've been yelling at or yelling about is that we sort of always have been. Um, It's not to the extent that it is now because it's blowing up everywhere. Um, One, there's more money in L.A. So so those people in L.A. are trying to weed through the noise. and They're realizing Mm. if we go to Pasadena where there's a large startup community, there's Idealab, so there's some large established um, sort of networks there. We can get quality uh, deals without having to weed through quite as many uh, not quality deals um, or ones that aren't in their wheelhouse. And they're looking at, you know, for the first time ever, uh, when after I did that large event with 805 Startups, I started getting calls from some of the people who 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 said no to me before or who um, or who I just knew in that network, some of our investors, some people that had said no to me, some people that I met after the fact who went, hey, we're looking at this deal of a company in Westlake. Do you know them? And, oh. and looking at me going like, you're, you're the guy in the area. You must you're know. You're the due diligence guy. So now, you know, and I've had two or three of those conversations. Um, and uh, thankfully, on, on two of the three, I knew the company sure. pretty well. Sure. <laughs> like I, sure. I got kind of lucky because uh, I knew one of the guys really, really well. So it, it helped them out. Um, and what I'm realizing, too, is that when I first started that first event, and it's just this just a few months ago, I'd uh, even the guys who lived in this area, I kind of had to go like, come on, come uh, come hang out. Come spend some time at this event. I know it's it's the evening. I know you have a family. But just come to one event. Do me the favor and do it. And now uh, when we're, we're setting up a demo day, February 18th, um, at, it's going to be at the Civic Arts Plaza in Thousand Oaks. So there's going to be 300-some really? people there. Um and it's going to be it's going to be great. Um, the city is is taking care of all that side of it. But I'm making sure people are there and, and getting um, I have a few people helping me pick the startups that are going to pitch there and stuff. And the thing that's interesting about that is I went after pretty much the same people I always go after to be a part of events and they're all saying yes now. And I didn't know convincing just, hey, we're doing a demo day on this date. You want to be a judge for it? Absolutely. Let's do it because they They saw what we have. They see that 200 people come to a startup event in Westlake Village. Uh, So they get excited. Um, They see that there are good startups. You know, um, one of the guys who's at it, uh, who's going to be a judge is Mark Mullen. It's uh, his firm is called Double M Partners. Um, He's an investor in the trade desk in Ventura, and he's one of their seed investors. And now he's seeing how much they've grown. And so he wants to spend more time in the area. Um, Another guy who is friendly with all the other investors we have surrounding us and who I've known for a long time uh, since I started my company, a guy who said no to us because his firm had a conflict at the time. He's now a partner at Pritzker Group out of mm-hmm. Chicago. He's their L.A. guy. They're a two billion dollar fund. He's going to be a demo day judge in mm-hmm. at a startup mm-hmm. event in mm-hmm. Thousand Oaks. Mm-hmm. You know, it, people are coming through the, the woodworks and are interested in spending time in this area. Um, it's it's really exciting and it's great for the startup community. You don't have to go to L.A.
0: How much of your time is spent in this effort? Because you, you, yeah. this is volunteer on your part, like yeah. this 805 Connect is volunteer on my part. And so we have day jobs. Yeah. Uh, but we're really <laughs> passionate about working, uh, being in this. Yeah. You know, this the energy around this. Um, do you how much of your time are you spending on this?
1: Uh, I'm spending. It's kind of one of those things that it starts off as going I'm gonna spend 10% of my time but right. it just turns the thing is it's hard to say percentage-wise it's it's probably half my time but I'm one of those people too that works ridiculous hours times flexible um, yeah, sure. yeah so how I was, old are your I was, kids? Uh, three and a half and one mm-hmm. uh, so I'm uh, that's I'm, a full-time job I was yeah, Wow. well my wife uh, is amazing uh, she 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 also does some work from home, but she she takes care of them. Um, and but I am I get home early because I want to be home with the kids. and I always did that with my commutes when I was in Santa Monica. so I sort of kept that going where I'm home by four or five o'clock. Um, get have dinner with them, hang out with them. The kids get to bed around between eight and nine o'clock, and then uh, hang out with second my wife shift. and and second shift. So, I was up till uh, one last night. Sure. I was up at five 30 this morning. Uh, and, um, it's just, it's just what I do. So uh, tell me so, about your business. Yeah. So, um, so I started a company, um, called invested in and we actually are a technology provider for the crowdfunding industry. So, oh, okay. um, we started off as just a crowdfunding site. Um, back in the day when there were no crowdfunding sites of of the kind that you know now. So Kickstarter did not exist when we started. Um, We did it sort of for fun while I was still at IMDb um, and it was uh, it was just something we did on the side. We had this idea basically, hey, what if you could define the amount of money you raise online? What if you could kind of say for every five dollars you give me, I'll give you an album? Uh, for my band or uh, for every one dollar you give me, I'll give you this or that or whatever. And there was no no way to do that at the time. There was PayPal and you could set it up sort of yourself, but it was complicated. It was a pain in the butt to do. Um, so we built it and kind of sat on it. Some people that used it for charity. We used it for some stuff, some bands used it, some filmmakers used it and it was great. And Indiegogo and Kickstarter launched and they took it seriously. They were had it as their full time businesses and they were uh, They were growing a lot and we decided that our sort of best strengths uh, was in the technology. Um, That's what we knew best. And we we actually did sort of the you know the lean startup type of approach back then um, which the term lean startup didn't exist. The term crowdfunding didn't exist. We called it social fundraising. But what we did was we actually put 10 landing pages up for 10 websites that didn't exist. And we hmm. did press and press releases for every single one of them. We went no online chain. pretending like. So, one was called. So, the top three, I'll try to remember the top three. We did one called FitFunder, which was a fitness based fundraising site. So, you know, like, uh, you know, um, sort of like the walkathon model, except right. for for individuals to do it on their own, right? So what was your goal um, in
0: this? Was it it sounds like A-B testing on steroids?
1: We basically decided we were going to quit our day jobs to do this full time, but we didn't know what we wanted to do exactly with it. So we thought that we were going to pick FitFunder or one was called Crowdcelerator. And at the time, AngelList existed, but you couldn't actually raise money on AngelList. It was just like a social network for meeting investors. Right. So we, the tagline on Crowdcelerator was convert your AngelList followers into real investors. And you actually had AngelList connect. You would click on it. And when you'd connect to your AngelList and put in your AngelList credentials, a thing would pop up saying, we're currently in private beta. We'll let you know when we publicly launch. And then we'd... Sh- we'd Add their face to the bottom of the page. So and we ranked the pa- the faces based on how many people followed them on AngelList. So the most the most the people who had the most recognizable faces were higher up on the list of already registered users on that home page. And so you'd go to it and you'd be like, Oh my God, Dave McClure signed up. I'm going to sign up too. And mm, then you know we mm. uh, we we'd throw your face on there and tell you we're not launched yet. <laughs> and um, we and then the third one was well we had a ton but. One we weren't sure was actually going to be very successful was um, uh, we put one up that was just plat- crowdfunding. It, actually, at the time, we just called it in or something like that. And we just tried to sell our technology. And we said something like, starting at $10,000, launch your own crowdfunding business. Um, we weren't trying to launch individual campaigns with that. We were trying to launch... Um, our first client on that was a guy who launched a site called J crowd, a Jewish crowdfunding site. Uh, nice. it, it was, it was a little ridiculous. Uh, but it was pretty funny. So um, you still
0: so do OEM
1: deals? Is that that that's reason? basically, so what ended up happening was FitFunder got us an article in the wall street journal. People were talking about it and we got thousands of signups. Um, uh, um, the crowdcelerator one got hundreds of signups and it was pretty interesting. We were getting good traffic to it and got a little bit of press. Um, But what happened was within a a few weeks, we were getting 10 inquiries a day to the platform site, Hmm. which was really exciting for us because on the platform site, we said stuff like starting at $10,000. So we started going, well, these people are 10 people a day contacting us versus the thousands on the other site, except for these are 10 people a day willing to pay us at least $10,000 or at least entertaining the idea of paying us money. Um, And that looked intriguing to us because we wanted to quit our day jobs. (laughs) And, you know, uh, we didn't have that much in savings uh, and I had a kid on the way. (laughs) And so um, uh, so we we explored that and we started getting clients. Uh, And so after we got our first paid client, um, uh, we we went to the investors who we sort of were keeping in touch with and now we were more taken seriously because we quit our day jobs um, or were about to and we were taking it seriously. Up until that point, they were just sort of friendly with us and wouldn't commit to anything. And right, were just smiling. Right. Uh, but we didn't realize they were doing that because we still had day jobs. No investor wants to invest in someone who's not betting on themselves. Right, already. Exactly. Um, and so we we then went to that. And the sort of lesson there was interesting. One was we didn't actually build anything of those 10 landing pages. That didn't take us more than maybe a day to build. Um, oh. And and we didn't actually go to the one that had the most traction in terms of page views or signups. We went to the one that had more traction in terms of money. And I don't know if that's in hindsight the, the best move. But it's been good for us and we've learned a lot and now we're sort of only focused on the enterprise clients that come our way. So we have Coca-Cola as a client. Um, American Express oh, was a client. Congratulations! Um, it, it, yes, it's it's great. It, it sort of enterprise um, is
0: completely different, isn't it?
1: It's completely different. It's a long sales cycle. Yeah. Um, what we learned a lot about that industry and that industry. So, so we talked about passion before. The people that are most passionate about crowdfunding and creating their own crowdfunding websites are people that have trouble raising money themselves. Um, and so what oh. ends up happening is that we got, we've launched over 60 crowdfunding sites for people. Um, 50 of them went out of business within about six to nine months. And that's because we would be coaching them up saying in a month, your site's going to be launched. You're going to need to do X, Y, Z. You're going to need to right. stack the deck. You're going to need to do this kind of marketing and that kind of marketing and have a team and this and that. And they would go, well, what? I'm building the website. What? Yeah. When I built a website, don't people just come? Yeah. You know, it's it's. you are uh, a, a person in the community that, you know, there's a bunch of people that do stuff like or say they're going to do stuff like what we do, right? I'm going to do this um, networking group in... Camarillo for startups and we're going to do this and that and they post a a website up and they're confused when nobody shows up. People have come to me so many times and asked me. uh, uh, This is a thing I joked with Mike Panessis about a lot. I'm from CLU. You interviewed him a few weeks ago. Um, uh, He I. he said something to someone when he was introducing me to them that he said something like Alan has a great knack of getting people or a great ability of getting people to show up to his events. And uh, I always laugh. I go, there's two things there. There's one is the amount of people who show up are directly proportionate to the amount of effort you put into it. Right. One, which is why, you know, 100 people might show up to one event and 10 people might show up to another event named the same thing about the same topic. Uh, you have to put effort into it, uh, and then two, um, it's that the disingenuous factor, like we were talking about before. Um, guess what? When Mike Panessis throws an event, people want to hang out with Mike. Sure. Uh, so guess what? People show up uh, when you know some shady individual is trying to sell you something that's disingenuous about it. uh right. Puts together an event.
2: Nobody shows up. You're. Uh, you have some. Some. You've got what you're in. In. Uh, in touch with i think among other things is this feeling of uh this is what's happening right now this is the the situation of business right now for so many years we were struggling with this fight about um uh, manufacturing is left manufacturing is left and every yeah. politician would talk about like how well we've got to rebuild yeah. manufacturing we've got to get back to the middle <laughs> class we've got to you know like like we're we're fighting from the ground up and it's like your conversation is not from the ground up your conversation is saying we are not behind the eight-ball. Mm. We are not struggling mm. and and fighting to survive. We we are fighting to achieve. We're trying to find the, the next Uh, Direction that we're going to go that we want to go because it's the most exciting place to be not because it's the place that um, That we have to be to 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 get over this pain and struggle And I think that that was that you know the 70s and 80s and 90s We saw so much manufacturing leave and we saw so much hope then leave Mm
0: -hmm. you know so
2: much of this and and then you know the the great recession of 2008 hits us and again more hope leaves And there's just this anxiety that uh, we can't even trust our houses you know, right. you know, we right. can't even trust our investment in our houses. That that's that that's been the only investment. And then what's then returned to us is like we're it's no longer that we're not we're not behind the eight ball anymore. We are we are now queued up ready to go for the next however much time. The doom and gloom seems to be gone uh, yeah. from the conversation you're having.
1: I I was very much like that that conversation. Like well, you can't start a company in the eight oh five. You've got to like you you can start a, a mom and pop company if you want to grow it to 10 people then awesome and you'll do great doing that but you can't grow a startup in the 805 you can't raise venture money in the 805 you're not going to you're not going to be mind body in the 805 you're not going to be linda.com the 805. oh wait they yes, did it you here you can you yeah. can and then it's like uh, it's 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 pretty cool um, it's one of those things that you uh, that I sort of I had to look at myself and do that sort of like that self reflection part and go like, OK, let's be let's let's be a little realistic and not make excuses because what you hear from people is like, oh, that investor didn't take me seriously because I'm from up here. Or maybe they didn't take you seriously because you're not taking it seriously that, or that's, that's your excuse. Right. I, I have a, a Rolodex of 100 investors that I've pitched to 10 of them are investors in my company. That means 90 percent of investors I talked to said no. So if I made an excuse the first three times, I would have never raised money because it took me 15 meetings with those other people and building a relationship till they did invest. Right? It's like uh, it's easy to make excuses.
2: Well, and what number of what number of people could have been customers but then opted out? You know, self-selected themselves yeah. out of right. your customer pool. You know, and it's like yeah. t- 10, 10% of your investor pool. That's great. You know, but bec- yeah. because probably you have what 3% of the of the of the market. <laughs> Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. one percent point one yeah. percent yeah. of the customers that are potential. You
1: know. Well, it's it's also though. Um, I, yeah. When I throw that number out, it's a hundred people that I had a real conversation with. I have right. like a spreadsheet of people that I have notes about. The rest of the people I've contacted either never responded to me or like I met them at a networking sure. event that, and it's not yeah. meaningful. Uh, I tried to I try to like I have huge email lists because I try to be really good about keeping those. Um, and there's a lot of investors on those lists and and people like that and enterprise people I've sold to in the past and things like that on that list but I have a separate spreadsheet with certain contacts and those are like the more meaningful ones and those are the people I feel okay sending a message to with the subject line I need a quick favor and asking and them to do yeah, something because
0: you've built a relationship with them yeah
1: it's and you know what you you also learn uh uh if you don't um if you don't ask, you don't get things and people very quickly get their feelings. hurt. like, this person didn't help me out. You like when you send a mass email asking people to help usually doesn't work. If you send Mark a message saying, Mark, can you please go on Facebook and hit the like button? It's really easy. Click this link, hit the thumbs up,
0: especially if you have a relationship yeah. with them.
1: Well, of course, if you have a real conversation, you can't, it can't just be like maybe a sort of pseudo connection, LinkedIn kind of thing where you've never actually met or talked to the person.
0: And on that note, we've had 45 minutes of a great conversation. I love your energy. And I love that from the very first time I met you, which and thank you so much for coming to be on the show. And uh, one of the things we do at the end of the show is um, we know that if we were to put a title on this episode and put it up on the shelf, uh, that that's going to mean something to people later and help them select this title. Um, and you get first dibs. W- first what would dibs. you like to what Would you Uh-oh. like to call the show?
1: Uh, a conversation with Alon Gorin. A complete <laughs> waste of time. <laughs> uh, okay. If you've listened, If you've listened this far, uh, I love you. Um, so so uh, in in uh,
0: improv, we um, <laughs> when we face that, we say new choice. Yes.
1: Okay. Uh, 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 i tried to i 've read a bunch about improv and I love the uh the whole uh yes and thing so uh but i'm i 'm very good at saying messing with that uh because I love making jokes and shooting myself in the foot i don 't know maybe um uh Patrick had a good point about the positivity uh maybe something about positive like uh i don 't know maybe something like like about what what patrick said about uh no excuses, you can, you can, you should, you can and should launch your startup in the 805 or your business.
0: I love that. And on that note, thank you so much. How can people find out more about what you're doing in 805 startups?
1: Um, You can find out more about me if you go to alangorin.com or just uh, follow me on Twitter at (laughs) Alonymous or... uh, but but the best thing to do is just go to eight oh five startups.com, you'll see what's going on, the meet join the meetup group, you'll get my emails, um, or connect with me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email. I'm Alon at invested.in. Um and I'm I'm pretty accessible and easy to get. And a then hold we of.
0: we promote your events in the eight oh five connect I love and it. we like thank partnering you. with you and, and supporting what you're doing. So thank you, no, so, thank much you so much for that. So I wanna thank again uh, Alon for being our guest and California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman & Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, PullString Press, for this great studio, and Cielo 24 who provides the searchable captions for our show. And a a shout-out to Blue Microphones. Uh, We love these new microphones. Thanks a lot for that. They're awesome. The 805 Connect project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. We thank them as well. We could not do it without your support. If you'd like to learn more about partnering with us, go to 805connect.com. And this podcast itself could use your support. If you enjoyed this episode, um, give us a review on iTunes or in Google Play or whichever of the podcasting networks you're on. Or better yet, send me a note to Podcast Idea or I Love Your Podcast at 805Connect.com or simply mark at 805connect.com and uh, let me know what you liked about the show and if you've got an idea for a new guest uh, that we should um, introduce where we grow this based on uh, those emails that we get from you so thank you so much so until next time this is mark sylvester your host for 805 conversations